0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. It was a busy Wednesday here in these parts. Obviously, the Washington football team uh, moved on from kicker Dustin Hopkins. Ron Rivera had some interesting comments about Landon Collins. I'm going to get to all that uh, and get you guys teed up for Sunday's big game against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Um, Then we've got a fun guest here on the podcast. We talked the Washington football team and we talked the Washington Wizards. He is none other than... The Ringers, Joe House. Uh, we had a fun chat. We talked on Tuesday ahead of the Wizards pre-, uh, pre uh, season uh, opener Wednesday night. The Wizards rolled at Toronto. I didn't watch any of the game, busy with uh my 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 real job, so we'll have to catch that one on on uh on replay. But obviously it looks like the Wizards had a fun night. Bradley Beal, Montrez Harold did the damage there. In any event, Joe House. Uh, And I really, I really always enjoy my chat with him. I think this was another really fun one. Uh, I'm not going to lie. There was some uh, adult language in the conversation. So, uh, you know, if you got kids around, you know, maybe, you know, earmuffs, but, uh, you know, uh, other than that, um, some fun thoughts, uh, you know, and and we, you know, really looked at a lot of the, the football teams um situation what is going on you know what is going on the defense what's the problems where where do you go from here so a fun chat there we'll get to all that in a moment here on the Standing room only podcast which of course you can listen to anywhere on uh iTunes Spotify and of course on the athletic app if you want to subscribe to the athletic obviously you can go click on any of my articles or go to the athletic.com forward slash standing and I believe there should still be Well, actually, you know what? I'm not actually sure. But there may still be a 50% off uh, discount there. If not, there's always a discount code. When you go into one of my articles, there is always something there. And I will say that by the time you guys hear this, good chance I will have a new article up on The Athletic. Uh, Because they are playing Aaron Rodgers this week, You know, Green Bay, the stability of quarterbacks in this league, they've had two more or less since uh, 1993. In that span, Washington has had essentially... 31 guys start a game. Uh, and we know that the quarterback uncertainty remains. I did a deep dive looking into this book to a lot of executives, co- uh, coaches, current, former, uh, as well as Ron Rivera to sort of explore what is the what is Washington? What's the challenge that Washington faces to find one of these guys? Um, because it's still per- obviously they need one. They can't do anything about it for this season, most likely, but they can do something about it going forward. And maybe that's, you know, could that even be Aaron Rodgers. Wouldn't hold your breath, but I did look into that and a whole bunch more. So you can check that out over on the athletic and quickly I want to give a big shout out to, um, I'm to, to some of the listeners here on the podcast. I mentioned, uh, in a, in a recent episode that I was open to doing a, um, sort sort of a, a fireside chat as it were doing a, doing a zoom call with some listeners to, uh, you know, just have a conversation, be in touch with everybody who's listening. Thank everybody for their, for their time, for their interest, and answering questions about the team. And we did that today. It was, of course, of all the days I picked, it was an extremely busy day. But I had a, I had a fun chat. I really enjoyed everybody's time. And I look to do another one maybe next month. And, uh, you know, if, if that's something you'd be interested in doing, you can always hit me up, at com. Just let me know you're interested, and I, and I will, uh, I will uh, do that for sure. All right, let's get to a few topics here. Uh, first off Dustin Hopkins look obviously it's been an up and down run for Dustin Hopkins it even extends beyond this year for being realistic um, you know on, on the surface you know he was he's he's tied for 11th in the league in field goal percentage I think it's 85 he's an 84 kicker overall he's a pretty solid guy but Look, I got to be honest. I mean, Dustin Hopkins is a super nice human being. I thoroughly enjoy talking to him, and I will be bummed, um, you know, th- to to not have that opportunity, at least in the context of the Washington football team. Um, but you know, it, it you know, I used the term I use the term semi shaky today on Twitter, and look, kind of really right. That that's I think that's fair to say. You know, they didn't look to use him at all outside uh, from from fifty out, even though we're in an era where kickers routinely make kicks that deep. And you know he's had obviously some some big misses this year. He was fortunate in game two against the Giants that his game attempted a game winner that missed it didn't count because New York was offsides. He was given a reprieve, made it, and Washington won. Week four against Atlanta, he misses two extra points. Washington trailed by two until the, Taylor Heineke's uh, f- final minute heroics. Then this past week, he makes two kicks but misses a forty-three yarder. And you know Rivera just said you know he just thought it was something he needed. To do they bring in Chris Blewett, um, who is uh, you know, obviously the name is the name speaks for itself, um, uh, you know, but you know, he, he basically is a guy who just put, kind of bounced around, he really hasn't been, I don't think he's kicked in about two years. A nondescript guy who Washington had in here on the practice squad like a week ago, and then they cut him, um, and I think that's the point for me right here is to when you ask what, well, why did they make this move? I don't really honestly think it's that much about Dustin Hopkins. I think Ron Rivera was trying to figure out what messages he could send. What could he possibly do? He mentioned on Monday talking to reporters that maybe he needs to change his approach in dealing with this team's, you know, maturity and discipline. Um, Look, it's easy to sort of scapegoat the kicker. It kind of feels a little bit like that kind of what happened here in part because what I just said that Blue it was here a week ago. They cut him. If he's a guy you think is that interesting. Why would you cut him when you have a 16-player practice squad? You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to, to do that. You could keep him around if you wanted to. They didn't do that. Um. So I think Dustin Hopkins, I'm not saying it was not justifiable, but I I don't know. I don't know what would t- – I mean, obviously, and I don't see the tryouts So or the workouts that they put the kickers through, so I have no idea what Blewett has done or what he will do. But, you know, it, it, it says – it seems to me that Rivera's trying to figure something out. And that was a move he thought he could do that w- that made some sense. Here's another thing that he did. He apparently had a conversation with Landon Collins, in which he st- called he told Landon Collins he views him more of a downhill linebacker. Now that doesn't exactly sound like a four letter word, but we went through this whole situation during the um, um, during the uh, during this past offseason where there was some talk of you know Landon Collins moving to linebacker. That was something that Landon Collins rejected. Uh, Jack Del Rio and Ron uh, said no, like th- that's not going to be the case. But ultimately, we're basically talking about labels. And I made this point on Twitter the other day that if you look at, say, things like True Media, the you know, one of the sites that tracks player data in terms of, you know, among other things, where do they line up on the field? Landon Collins, in their estimation, lines up at linebacker more often than not. Now, that's in part because Washington plays often a sub package with two linebackers on the field and Landon Collins would be the guy they use in the box. Ron Rivera the other day said he thinks Landon Collins is much more effective in the box. And that was the sort of the first sign of Rivera kind of suggesting, Hey Landon, you know, we're going to have to, um, you know, be realistic here with what you can and can't do. And I made this point the other day, I, I wrote about it. I don't remember how much I discussed here on the pod, but you know, Against Kansas City, Washington went with a different look. They went two two safeties deep, Cam Curl and Bobby McCain, um, with a lot of five and six defensive backs, with Landon Collins playing up. And Cameron Curl's snaps have gone up week over week, right? So he hit hundred percent this week. Can't really go down. It's not he probably won't play hundred snap, hundred percent of the snaps every week, but I think it's going to probably stay up there pretty high and. You know, Ron Rivera, before the year started, when I asked him who's a guy we're not talking about enough, he also cited Bobby McCain, um, who has been pretty consistent with his usage this year. And I think the problem for Landon Collins is, let's just say he's the fifth defensive back, right? Not necessarily the nickel. He does play some uh, slot corner, according to True Media, but, or not slot corner, but he's in the slot, um, you know, whatever. Um, the problem is this, right? So Jamin Davis played a lot more this past week and was, was better, Right you want Jamin Davis to keep playing. So if Jamin Davis keeps playing with Cole Holcomb, if that becomes a more of a regular thing, Davis playing over 50% of the snaps, well, what are you doing now? If if you go with Landon Collins, then you effectively have three linebackers on the field, but one of them is going to have to, you know, if the other team is going three receivers or something, you're going to have to go with Landon Collins covering somebody. And the other team is pretty good about designing plays that puts Landon Collins in, in tough spots, especially down the field. So if that's the case... What does Washington do? You're not going to put Landon Collins deep. It doesn't make sense to take Curl or McCain off the field. So, or you know, so I kind of think that you know we could maybe see less Landon Collins, more Benjamin St. Juice as another cornerback. Uh, you know, maybe there's a scenario where a different safety comes on the field a bit more. But you know, or D- D- uh, Everett's also like Landon Collins more of a, a, a of, of a of a hitter than a coverer. So I, I, I kind of wonder, is this less Landon Collins going forward? Is this the first sign of Ron Rivera finally doing something that has seemed to be obvious for a bit? But I get it. It's tough to bench a guy with Collins' stature. Um, again, I'm not saying he's going to be benched like not play, but I'll, I'll be curious. He was in the 80-something percentile this week of snaps. I would be very curious to see if that number is a lot lower this week and the fact that he made this downhill linebacker comment suggests maybe that's the case. Again, Collins can do some good things, but... In coverage has been a struggle for him, and Washington needs to address that. Now you are going up against Aaron Rodgers this week, Tom Brady in a couple of weeks. Teams will be aware of that and attack for sure. L- last thing, there was some rumors today on on Twitter. I don't even know where they originated from to be honest, but I was busy minding my own business, and um, I start getting hit up about rumors about Tua Tungaviola coming here. And I guess the crux of it is there were reports out of Houston. That said, Houston is going to move to Sean Watson. Things are getting close or hot and heavy or something. Move him probably to Miami, but that would mean Tua going somewhere else. And everybody's, anytime there's a QB on the move now, it's either Washington or Denver. Uh, It seemed like people were putting it more to Washington. Uh, I was then told there's nothing going on here. Washington is not engaged in talks with either Houston or um, Miami. So, there's nothing to that. Um, So, carry on with your life. If you didn't know anything about it, great. Well, uh, now you know enough to know that you don't need to care about it. Um, I, For what it's worth. I think a lot of these quarterback talks is, is coming out of Houston. I think Houston is really struggling from what I've been told to find any talk on uh, anybody talking to them about Deshaun Watson for all the obvious reasons, as talented as a player, the cloud over him is massive. How can any team trade for him? Even if you trade a minimal pick for him, you you know, you then have to potentially answer some PR questions on your end, But how do you even have a clue when he may or may not ever be available, considering all the um, allegations against him, a lot of charges, um, and so on? So I, I think that's kind of all that is, for what it's worth. um, I would imagine that Denver is the team to watch when it comes to Aaron Rodgers if he doesn't get out, if he um, does in fact leave Green Bay. So it doesn't make sense that Denver would, you know, not that trading for somebody like Tua would jeopardize getting Aaron Rodgers and just saying they may be waiting at this point to see how that uh, unfolds and go from there. So anyway, just a few things to keep an eye on as for the, as for Washington at, at practice today, uh, Curtis Samuel on the side. Again, there were a bunch of guys over on the side today, including Terry McLaurin. We'll say, I assume McLaurin will play this week regard and you know, Antonio Gibson's another one we're going to have to watch. The Samuel thing is interesting. Um, I, I, Still wonder if he ends up on going on IR this week. I don't know that to be a fact. I just keep wondering this. And one one I one thing to keep an eye on as well. Again, this is this might be me overthinking, but I like to do that. Uh, they they announced their practice squad protections. You can d- protect up to four a week. Uh, yeah, and yeah, on Tuesday they they one of the protected. Players was Antonio Gandy Golden. Now, obviously, that could make some sense, right? Uh, he was drafted by this team in the fourth round a year ago, and uh, you know he's been called up now twice or elevated twice to the game day roster. But here's the thing: under the CBA rules, players can only be elevated for free twice. So if they wanted to elevate him again, it's going to mean either they have to assign him to a, to to the roster or he has to clear waivers. Maybe they just want to protect him because they don't want somebody else to deal with to, to try to get him, and they'll just worry about him at the end next year. Another consideration is they're they're prepared to put him on the fifty three, sensing that Curtis Samuel could be down. That's that, that that part's a speculation on my end, but it's curious why they did that. Cam Sims is also a guy who's been down, so they, it's not like they don't need receiver depth, but you know, it's sort of curious that they did that. Um, but who knows? Maybe they had a sense that some other team was ready to poach him and they were not ready to even consider giving them up. So they did what they did. All right. Either way, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring in my friend Joe House. Uh, again, really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I believe it's at House from D.C. on Twitter. I'm at Ben Standing for what it's worth. So you can follow both of us uh, there. Again, a really fun conversation. We start off going going to Washington football. I promise anybody who's a football person is gonna like that if you're, uh, if you're a Wizards guy. I would say it's probably about halfway through that conversation. And uh, if you're not into the Wizards, we'll part ways there. But hopefully you are, and um, that's it. All right, that's it for here. Let me get to it. Here's my conversation with the Ringers Joe House on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, as promised, coming back for a triumphant return to the podcast. You you know him and you love him from the Ringer. He is. Mr. Joe House, sir, I appreciate it. you are decked out and you got Wizards get Wait. Is that an actual Daniel Gafford jersey? I just noticed it's it's, a, it's a- it, what's fantastic
2: is it's Gafford's number. But if I I don't want to get up and turn it around because uh, it was very hard to get it taped up here in the in the home attic studio. It has my name on the back, which is like, think about the moment that we're in Gafford gets gets extended. He earned it. He deserves it. We're starting off. It's a twenty-one because it's the, the twenty twenty-one season. But high hopes for the twenty twenty-one season. Ben Standing, a wonderful way to kick off this podcast.
1: Yeah, we're breaking. We're, we're recording on Tuesday morning, late Monday night. The Wizards gave Daniel Gafford an extension. Uh, we can discuss that in a bit. I thought that was an interesting contract for a couple of ways. And we'll, and we'll look if I'm if I got house here. We're going to talk about the Wizards, but it is a, it is a football season. The the wizards aren't there yet. They start, well, they might actually, they may have started by the time you hear this who knows, but um, we got to talk football. That's the primary focus here. And, and, and Joe here has got, he's a fan. He's got thoughts. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it, I always talk to people who are like in the bubble like me. So it's good to get the outside perspective. And as I was saying to Joe, before we started, like when I listened to him on with on the, on the bill Simmons pod and all that, like, I, 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 I'm not going here. I'm not bringing him on just because he's a he's a handsome man with a lot of followers. He actually is insightful, and we wanted to have some of that insight here. All right, that said, first of all, I guess how are you? Like what's going on I, in in your world? Are you good? I'm great. Thank you
2: for asking. And thank you, Flattery will get you everywhere. um i'm I'm just now recovered. I flew out to California for the first time for a visit with my old pal. Bill Simmons. I hadn't seen him in a year and a half. I think it's the longest that we've gone um, without, you know, a hang in, in, in you know, 30 some years that we've been pals. So uh, it was wonderful, except for he is really on his grind right now. And what a time to be alive. We have prestige TV, the return of succession Kirby Enthusiasm is about to come back. The onset of the NBA season, we did a whole bunch of NBA content. I've got a little bit of my golf pod out there, even though it's a quiet time in golf. Rory McElroy, four-time major winner, another win for him. So we did a little podcasting in the golf realm. And, of course, football. I mean, it's that, that annual debate, the lifelong debate, which month is a better sport month, October or April, it's just got to be October, the playoff baseball. I mean, the I was deprived when I arrived out there in California last week from a lot of the afternoon football games because Simmons is locked in on the Red Sox. Like, I didn't fly across the country to watch the Red Sox, bro, but that's what we did.
1: I mean, if you think of it like the four main sports in this country and if you tack on college football as the, you know, some people have to put college football ahead of some of those other ones. But oh, put yeah, college football for in there, sure. That's all five are going are going on at starting well i don't know if the nba starts tuesday or wednesday but the, all five are going on right now um you, you know and we could you know so other than like college basketball and i guess depending where you are with like tennis or golf like it's all happening plus like with like boxing we just had a huge fight the other night that's always going to happen so yeah it is hard to argue um with this even though the thing that i like about the april is it's a signal that the weather is about to get nicer and yeah. that yeah oh yeah that's right yeah it's we very get to hopeful. See-
2: Body parts are coming out again. It's wonderful. <laughs> I love to- April.
1: Unlike today, I'm wearing a sweatshirt because I went to get coffee and it's in the 40s. So yeah, man. Uh, so there's that. All right. Uh, speaking of chili, I feel like that's how people are viewing the football team right now. Kind of cold right now on multiple fronts. There's obviously all the off-season, off the off the field drama, but it's not like the on-field product is exactly crushing it right, right now. Um, I came up with a bunch of questions to take us through this sort of "Would you rather." Uh, type of questions. And we'll get to that in just one sec, but I guess just broadly, you know, I assume you've been watching all the games um, w- w- where are you at r- 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 right now? I mean, on what level of frustration, anger, disappointment, maybe you're just like, yeah, I didn't have expectations going in. Where, where are you at with, with the group right now?
2: It might be a surprise to you, but I'm much closer to the, I didn't really have big expectations for this team this year side of of the chart than anywhere else and the thing that i'm most disappointed about and most disappointed by is we have not had one single down of football on the offensive side with the full complement of what we envisioned would be the 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 team the 11 on offense all healthy all ready to go do some work the curtis samuels injury persists it's frustrating, but that him in the slot plus McLaurin plus Diami plus a healthy Antonio Gibson plus JD McKissick plus Fitzmagic, magic. We haven't had one down of football with that compliment. So we started off right off the bat with, you know, um, not the version of the team that we kind of envisioned and that we were cautiously optimistic about my estimate of this team coming into this season. I They look like to me an eight and nine, nine and eight at, at, at the very, you know, as a very best kind of outcome. And now they look like they're going to be in the six to seven range at best in terms of overall wins. And look, I mean, they didn't come into this, this season expecting to play Taylor Heineke for several games in a row. And he's a backup quarterback and he's playing like a backup quarterback. And I love rooting for him. It's a wonderful story. He's just not good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And that's not a knock on him. And it doesn't you know, diminish my enthusiasm for him and his story. But they, they can't compete. They scored 13 points against the worst defense in the NFL uh, on Sunday. They scored all their points in the first half. They, they had three turnovers in the first half and, and, and turned that into seven points. That's not getting the job done against the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's just who this team is. The biggest disappointment and the thing I'm hoping to pick your brain on is what the hell's going on with the defense, because I do think that the defense was slightly overrated, the performance at the end of last season, especially against a bunch of second string and third string quarterbacks. But I thought that the defense would be competent this season. And that was the thesis for why eight wins or nine wins was possible. This defense is not competent. They haven't been competent all season long. The only two teams they've beaten are, are helmed by Matt Ryan and Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones played well enough for the Giants to win that football game. And the Giants had 50 different ways to win that football game. I'm psyched that they lost, but still. Anyway, so that that's the state of the Joe House Union as it relates to the Washington football team.
1: Yeah, no, I hear it. You know, this is a... Um so last week I wrote something on the athletic about like, everybody's trying to come up with the issue. Like what's the problem here with this team? Is it the third down defense? That was one week we spent. We spent another week on what's going wrong with the chase young in the pass rush. Now we spent time on the secondary, all this miscommunication. Then we got into Jack Del Rio can't call plays or whatever. Right. We keep trying to go through the cycles of what's the issue. And last week I basically wrote, this isn't that complicated. All the moves they made in the offseason haven't worked. You mentioned the, the for injuries it's Patrick and Samuel just haven't been there. We can debate, you know, how do, I don't know what do you do about the Fitzpatrick one in particular, and Samuel. Like, what do what do you do there? William Jackson hasn't worked at all so far in the secondary. They haven't gotten a ton out of the draft class. That's not to say that Jamin Davis or anybody's a bust. It's just to say through six games there hasn't been a huge impact. But you look to last year, and everything worked. Logan Thomas, J.D. McKissick, drafting Antonio Gibson. Um, you know, uh, Ronald Darby. You know, so many guys kind of came, and everything seemed. To work. And I guess one thing that's interesting, and this hasn't been discussed really, is they did change the front office, right? I mean, they did change the people who are helping make the decisions. I don't really believe that Ron Rivera may have final say on all this stuff. And obviously, he's looking at tape on, you know, a linebacker from Kentucky and maybe a cornerback from Minnesota, but like it's not like he is—he's being presented with information. Where does the information come from? Now a lot of the scouts are still there, but somebody's having to make the decisions, and I—I I, I have no idea. I can't sit here and say Marty Herney or Martin Mayhew or Ron or whoever made bad calls. Things just haven't worked, and that's with free agency or or the draft. And and that's my one caveat because your point is like it would be nice to see what this offense would look like if everybody was actually playing, but they're not. So you know what uh what you know what 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 can you do?
2: And you know, on, on that point, as it relates to the front office, the thing, if I'm trying to be generous, I'm trying to be glass half full about this, I think about the organization with its systemic gross incompetence that starts at the top and has been insidious and invidious in terms of uh, 25 years of the worst decision making, the worst instincts, all of the, the, the kinds of classic mistakes. That bad businesses commit and bad businesses end up in bankruptcy, but because this is the NFL, all all, all the rising tide floats you know all, all all ships. And holy cow, the Washington Football Team has never been worth more than this moment. It's very frustrating as a as a fan. But specifically, the thing I think about, if I'm being generous about it, is like these things are 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 speak. Let me keep up that that ship analogy. You. I, boats don't move. You can't move on a dime, right? If right. you're headed towards an iceberg, it takes a long time to change position and get it moving. And so while the hiring at the, the top and, and, um, Jason, Wright, Like, you know, there's a bunch of competence, uh, in, in the front office. Now I'm, I'm guardedly optimistic, but it's just going to take a, a time. And I feel like it's going to take a long time to change course, change direction, root out the 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 gross incompetence change the overall culture change the overall approach and last season it was funny that Rivera made the comment he made about 10 days ago you know I do this Friday podcast with Warren Sharp um, the ringer gambling show on Fridays and Sharp you know was was inclined to take Rivera to task gently for the observation that It's it's kind of we were done a disservice by winning the NFC East last season because it changed expectations about this team coming into the 2021 season. And it put us in the position of having to play all the division winner schedule. And we're not ready for that. He essentially said we are not ready to be competing at that level. And they only won seven games last season. And I think he's right. And I think he was being honest. Um, but they, they – so we, we have a, a, a faulty measuring stick for, you know, the, the, the ceiling of, of this team. And, you know, the Rivera and the front office, I think they deserve a little more leash, especially in view of the continued dysfunction throughout the organization. What's going on with the head trainer and the assistant trainer – and especially I think about that in the context of a of a persistent lingering injury like what Curtis Samuel's going through. Why hasn't Curtis Samuels hamstring gotten any better in four months? That's not a four-month lingering injury kind of thing. Well, who's he getting advice from? Who's who's in that organization helping him get get back on the football field? Is it the trainer and the assistant trainer that have been indicted, that are under federal indictment right now? I, I don't know the answer. How long have those guys known that this trouble was lurking? How much has that affected their ability to give good guidance to the, to the team? We still at this moment have no idea when Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be back on the football field. My guess right now is not the rest of the season. I don't expect to see Ryan Fitzpatrick play another down for the Washington football team in the 2021, 2022 season. Anyway, Uh, but but there's lots of other stuff we could talk about.
1: Yeah, no, no. But to your point of the trainers, I mean, like if, if, if you said that, uh, you know, Jack Del Rio and the, and the number, you know, and somebody, some, some and whoever the number two on the defense, they're out. And you have to move everybody else up. Like at some point, the logic would be, well, these people presumably are not as qualified for these jobs. Therefore there has to be some, um, some leveling down of, of, of the, of the position that seems only natural. Um, Definitely in Washington, right? Like yeah. Dan Snyder doesn't have, it's not plan B Dan
2: Snyder. Nobody's ever given Dan Snyder credit for his plan B uh, uh, wherewithal.
1: Right. By the way, t- it, since you mentioned it and this has been like a pet peeve of mine, the, 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 the quote from last week with Rivera that you said Warren Sharp took notice of a lot of people did about uh, sort of like the woe is us. We maybe wish we hadn't won the division. It was th- the, the quote that was passed around on Twitter was taken out of context a bit and it wasn't what he really said. He put it in just overall like some might think this, but we know we have to keep going. But anyway, but this is what I noted. Uh, I've noticed I've noted this for, since December. When he said this, they beat the Eagles in week 17 to win the division, right? Who gives a crap seven and nine. They're not good enough. You win the division. That is an emotional moment. You're super happy. The first question he got in the post-game press conference on zoom, something like, what does this mean to him? And I'm going to say it's the fourth sentence in the first answer quote. It's kind of a double-edged sword though, because obviously we play Saturday night against Tampa Bay. We got it. We got the first place schedule next year which is not going to be easy. His first thought basically after winning the division was, oh crap, this is where we're at. And I think that, 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 that's my point. It's like, he's not like people are, he's not saying this now. He's, I think to your point, he's being realistic. And I do think sometimes when people, people are so unfair with how they view their own world, the things that they would say in their own life, that if people heard them would in, interpret, like, oh, is really, is that what you're saying? He didn't, he's just being honest with, whatever it is. And I know people want to hear, well, we're going to win every game, you know, 80 to zero, but like, (laughs) it's not there. Plus they were trying, you know, it's like people say, why don't they try to get a quarterback? They did. They tried to get Matthew Stafford. They, they made, they aggressively tried. It didn't happen. And and, and I'm only
2: interrupting. They did. It was Dwayne Haskins. They did go get a quarterback. The bum ass owner. deliberately sabotage their ability to to get a genuine genuine replacement for Alex Smith. It wasn't the organization's fault that Alex Smith had the catastrophic injury that he had and they had the instinct to fix it. It's just... Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Rock on. The motherfucking owner... Who, who, his gross incompetence, his unparalleled incompetence going into the draft room and insisting that they take Dwayne Haskins, who does not belong in the NFL at any level, uh, as, as the potential replacement. And it takes so long to recover from that mistake. That's the problem. That's the issue. They do have a, the they, instinct wasn't wrong. They do need a replacement for, for Alex Smith. Um, they didn't have the opportunity in the most recent uh, uh, draft to do anything about quarterback really, because by the time they, you know, they selected at 17 the meet the, 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 real guys were, were basically, I guess, you know, Davis Mills was still on the board, but you know uh, they'd already made the decision to try and, and, you know, replicate the competence, the basic competence of last season. In any event, I interrupted you.
1: No, no, all, 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 all good. Um, but, all right, so I I I I spent careful amount of time coming up with these would you rather. By careful amount of time? I mean, like five minutes. Um, yes. So 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 let's get to a couple of these things here before we uh, eventually get to your beloved wizards. Um, so we, we mentioned Taylor Heineke. Um, I guess I'll, I'll I'll phrase it like this. Look, obviously at the end of the day, football is supposed to be entertaining and fun and nobody wants to go through a miserable season. And I wouldn't say it's miserable, at least from a football perspective, but it's veering in there. It's not been great. and Then combined with all the off the field stuff, it's really not, it's not fun these days. But okay, Taylor Heineke is a lot of fun. So would you rather see the daring Taylor Heineke, the one who who, who gives people hope and inspiration, who makes people think, I don't know, he's kind of scrappy. Maybe there's something here. And clearly Scott Turner's a fan. Would you like to see enough of that guy to the point that, he's interesting enough that maybe somebody says ah, maybe he's something we can continue to work with. Cause they keep Ron Rivera keeps saying, he's just inexperienced. He only has somebody start. Let's give him some time. Or would you rather just it implode, even if it means the season goes wrong to, to put us, to put a cap on, okay, that's not a thing. We actually have to get a quarterback, no matter what, 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 what angle would you rather see?
2: Well, I don't think I would never root for like an implosion, but, I don't think we need to see any more Taylor Heineke. We've seen all that he has to offer. He's, he's a backup quarterback. He doesn't have the arm strength. He can't go downfield. I haven't sat down with the advanced analytics to look at his dot the, the average depth of target. But I know that he's not throwing the ball down the football field because I'm watching the games. And he doesn't have the accuracy to go out, you know, wide out on a 25-yard where, where the ball has to travel 40 yards or, or 45 yards. And he, he, his, his decision-making is slow. I mean, the McKissick uh, uh, winning touchdown against Atlanta was a fifth read because he had the ability to scramble all the way to the other side of the field. It took seven seconds for that play to develop and it worked out just wonderfully for the team, but that ain't no way to build no offense. I mean, you know, you, you can see him. He's slow in his progressions. He's slow on his reads. He doesn't have the arm strength. And yet I, I love him. I admire what he's done. I mean, all, all of those things are just true about him as a quarterback he's not the future quarterback for this football team. This is not a Kirk cousins debate, right? We're not like debating whether or not it's, it's worth it to make an investment in, in, in Taylor Heineken. We we don't need any more evidence. We're, there's no reason to make an investment. He's a backup quarterback. He's a competent backup quarterback. I would like to see him run more. I still don't understand why he didn't have one single rushing yard against the chiefs last week, but you know, um, there is a quarterback somewhere out there professional or in college that, that will be the quarterback of the Washington football team next season. It's not Tyler Heineke.
1: Um, yeah. I, I think the chiefs based on what I saw and also what Heineke said, I think the chiefs did a good job, but sort of hemming him in. He said a couple of times he would evade one guy and there would be another guy right there. Rivera. I agree. Said, but Rivera that's all said, Scott
2: Turner, like sure. generate some, some, some play calls to give him the opportunity.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, Um, yeah. I think I think ultimately that's the thing, right? The more exposure he gets, the more teams are okay. We actually have to game plan for this guy. When Tampa Bay saw him last year, who the hell is who? What's his name? That's right. No, they they don't know what you know what to make of this. Now there's more teams seeing him, and you're seeing he's done some good things. The limitations are becoming uh, more and more. more and more evident and look as a reminder kansas city's defense is horrendous i mean they had given up at least 29 points in every game this year i think going back to like middle of last year they hadn't given up anything as few as 13 um you know i i think my sense is like that the the chiefs you know were as a group were not concerned about necessarily winning or losing but they didn't know what to make of it because they were having their own issues and if mahomes doesn't throw um you know the one inexplicably horrible interception and then one off of tyreek hill's hands You know, this thing could have been even a lot worse, but uh, they, uh, yeah, Heineke is what he is. But my only concern is Jay Gruden loved Colt McCoy. He always wanted to start Colt McCoy. You see these (laughs) things happen. And Scott Turner clearly loves Taylor Heineke. And if he were to do enough, you know, that's all I'm saying is like, could they talk themselves into it? That's why I'm like making it extreme. No, they know. don't you think they know? But again, Jay Gruden should have known about Colt McCoy and yeah, kept Jake wanting Gruden's to put him a in.
2: poop. He's a moron. Nobody thought that that was a. He's a. He's a smart guy. He's a. He's a. He's a, a
1: degenerate nincompoop. The, the heart wants what the heart wants. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. Speaking of 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 this, this this one makes absolutely no sense to put them two together. But you know, life doesn't make any sense. So here we go. Would you rather see Kyle Allen start or? Landon Collins be, begin losing significant playing time. Again, these things have no connection whatsoever, but I'm it's, you got either way. A lot of people are saying, hey, Landon Collins, we, we, uh, we, enough of this. Clearly he's been struggling um, as a pass defender. This has been not an ongoing thing. Kansas City, according to Pro Football Focus, targeted him 10 times in this last game, um, completed seven. On the year, teams are averaging – receivers against him are averaging over 15 yards a catch by comparison against cam curl they're averaging nine yards a catch now that may be based on cam curl maybe throws him more underneath than, than collins or their they their play, to plays to take him deep either way it's a struggle i do think there's a for i'll get to what i think why he may lose some time and the kyle Allen thing is simply and i pointed this out to rivera in the press conference on monday he said at the end of last year that they could have had the same success they had with alex smith as they would with kyle allen if you believe that, how are we not considering playing Kyle Allen right now? Who, for whatever you think of him, I'm not saying he's a starter either. He's younger than Taylor Heineke. He's more prototype quarterback. He's actually been, I think, reasonable. I'm not saying he's a starter. I'm just saying, I think there's something there. Maybe he does something is a high backup, but it's something, like you said, I think we kind of see where Taylor Heineke is. So would you rather give Kyle Allen a shot for, to see whatever it is, even if he's the backup or maybe help them win or less Landon Collins? So
2: I'm more of an instant gratification kind of guy. And while I think that um, Kyle Allen is likely to be a bit more successful, I mean, that he has the track record with Rivera and with Scott Turner. There's a comfort there with Kyle Allen. And, and maybe, you know, Kyle Allen, Curtis Samuel, you know, hook up whenever Curtis is able to get back on the football field. But t- as an instant gratification guy, it's got to be Landon Collins. He just he's just not. I appreciate and admire his leadership, his impact. Uh, you know, he's, he's been a, a rock in a, in a, uh, in a stormy sea uh, of, of, you know, mediocre defense for a long time, but we he just can't move. I mean, he, he, so I, I would like to see, I think, feel like it would be more of an immediate impact on the defensive side to be able to take away. I mean, this is the thing with this Washington football team that has been confounding and frustrating. They're so bad against the inter- intermediate pass. They've been so bad at it this whole season, what Buffalo did to them, the ex- how Buffalo exposed them at that, at that level was, was, was just disheartening because I thought we were better. I thought, you know, there, there was that middle of the field was something that we could lock down the push up front, the middle of the field. And then the secondary, we knew that the secondary was an iffy proposition, but, you know, it's, it's really been exposed in the middle of fields wide open. And I think Landon Collins is a, is a big, you know, as a culprit.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's it, look, Cameron curls snaps have increased every single week. I, I don't know why they were as low as they were in the beginning of the year. I think part of the problem is this is just my assumption. You know, it's easy for Ron Rivera to sort of shank Dwayne Haskins the way he did last year. Dwayne Haskins gave him all the reasons to, wasn't just that he was struggling on the field. I think we all, you know, everybody kind of learned what was happening off the field, with some of the immaturity stuff and things like that, and it wasn't his guy. And I think he probably was like, eh, I don't, "This is I'm not, I'm not going down on the ship with a guy I didn't pick." And he didn't sign Landon Collins, but Landon Collins is a veteran. He is a guy who has re- status in the locker room. I'm sure he respects Landon Collins as a as a, as a person, as a player, whatever. But it's a lot harder to say to to make a move for that guy to sit because it does it sends a message in multiple ways, but it could be the wrong message for some guys. And I imagine on some level, that's why Cameron curl didn't get those early snaps relative to, um, to Collins, but now C- curl played hundred percent last week. They were doing the two deep safety look against Mahomes with him and Bobby McCain. I think, you know, again, Kansas city kind of screwed things up themselves. They, they moved the ball. They still got 500 yards of offense. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think there's something to be said for Cameron curl playing more. And he, here's the hope I would say for people who want Landon Collins less, uh, less of him. Uh, you need Jamin Davis and Benjamin St. Juice to warrant playing time because it when, when, when you have Holcomb and Davis out there at linebacker, if Landon Collins, like people want to say like, move him to linebacker. Okay. He basically is playing linebacker when you're playing in the box. That's what you're doing, but like he's weighs 20 pounds less than those guys who can't really play quote unquote linebacker. He's not big enough to take on that role, but he's playing closer to the line of scrimmage ideally. But you, but if you're playing him in there with Holcomb and Davis, that's basically three kind of linebackers. That's not great, and then it means he has to to cover right. But if Davis is in there and you make St. Juice the fifth the fifth defensive back, so three corners, Fuller in the slot, and the two safeties, then th- this is where you get Landon Collins off the field. And I think now that Cam Curl's gotten to the hundred percent snaps, they use McCain a lot. Maybe now going forward is when we start to see. Okay, Jamin Davis had a good week, relatively speaking. Again.
2: Eleven tackles, his highest tackle total in, in the season. I'm, I'm a Davis fan. Let let's see him play. Right. And he's the, learning. He's learning. And, and, I mean, he's, he's an athlete. He's learning.
1: And to the point of where this season is, and it's kind of like we're at with the wizards when, when there's a debate who to play, give me the younger guy to see what can happen versus, okay, I know what this guy is. I don't necessarily, I get where the upside lies or the debt, you know, let's, let me see, let me get with the younger guy. So I think that's the hope for Collins that now that curl has surpassed him in snaps and Davis has had a good week. Maybe, you know, if especially, I mean, Green Bay does a lot of different formations. It's not always three wide, but, you know, in, in any scenario where you're going to have three and four receivers out there, it just, if you have Collins on the field, he's going to have to be in coverage. And that just hasn't. Um, it's just a
2: mismatch. It's a mismatch every time.
1: Yeah. 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 For, uh, for, for, for sure. Um, all right. So they're playing Green Bay this week. I don't know if you, if you heard that. Um <laughs> I was going I was going to do would you rather Aaron Rodgers be Washington's quarterback next year or would you rather him own the team like he owns the Bears but um I, I guess <laughs> Oh, I
2: would definitely rather him own the team. I know that for sure. 100%, 10,000%. <laughs> you kidding me?
1: So, yeah, absolutely. So, I think before the season started, like there was some like eh, could Aaron Rodgers is there a world where Washington could get Aaron Rodgers, right? Oh. He and Rivera have the cow connection. He wants out of Green Bay. Washington looked like was going to have a really good defense. Maybe Rodgers says I want to join that. I don't think that's a realistic scenario at this moment in time. It's very of polite Aaron, of you to put
2: it that way. Yes. yeah. There exactly. is no fucking way he's coming here. <laughs> no. not, in, well, not in a million billion years.
1: No, no. Uh, especially with all the off-field drama. Why would he, even if he hates Green Bay, why would you leave a, that scenario to come to, to this? That said, let's just play this game out for a little bit. If Aaron Rodgers does leave Green Bay, he's got to go somewhere. And people will keep talking about this. Probably myself included on some level. Would you rather have... Aaron Rodgers for one or maybe two years next year or this team go down get a top 10 pick and draft the rookie and the reason I bring this up you can maybe sort of change Aaron Rodgers to, to established veteran quarterback but if they get to a point where it's like a top 10 pick situation, that means they had another losing year. That's two losing years in a row under Rivera. If you go with the rookie almost, it almost ensures a third losing season is coming. Maybe, maybe they show the Justin Herbert kind of promise, but even he went seven and nine last year and three losing seasons. uh, You know, I'm not trying to look too far ahead to give Ron Rivera any pink slips. I'm just saying three losing seasons in a row starts to get, uh, we start having different conversations, especially with this ownership. On the other hand, uh, you go with the veteran route. Well, how do you get it? How are you getting the veteran route? And if it's an older guy like Rodgers, maybe you're only it's a short window. It's not easy to get the young, um, the, the young up and coming quarterback, you know, and so on. So, what would you rather have the get the established vet if it's you know Rodgers on the high end or somebody else, or this thing bottoms out and you get the top 10 pick knowing that next year might be another losing season?
2: Oh, it's a it's it's Rodgers. I mean, that's not even close, uh, a hard call. I mean, it's, it, it's, he's the one of the top 10. Cause you know, you can measure whether or not this season, this season doesn't match up thus far for him, his standard with the last year, which was an MVP season for him, but he is a top 10 player at the most important position in, in the sport. And you know what that means in terms of the knock-on effect for every other position on offense and on defense, because of, extended uh, drives, just like every little incremental benefit that comes from having a competent, better than competent, a, a, a world-class quarterback. It is transformative to the whole team. And so if you have an opportunity to get a guy of that class for even one season, you do it because it's the NFL Parity rules. Every single season that you show up, uh on, on on September, the the first two weeks of September, and haven't played a game, you can win this Super Bowl in the NFL. Unless you're the you're the 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 uh, Houston
1: Texans, so what or the Jacksonville Jaguars. What if it's like say Teddy Bridgewater, who I think is a free? No, no, no,
2: no. That's that's rude. Dude, let's not let's not put Aaron Rodgers and no, Teddy no. Bridgewater I'm saying what
1: it's, like, but to say Teddy Bridgewater gives you a better chance to win games next year than a rookie would, but the rookie is obviously the longer term play. And if you're coming off two years in a row in which you've underachieved, let's just say broadly, not obviously they won the division last year, but underachieved record wise, like. I, I just so think that, I, I don't really have the answer. The, the The obvious question is get the quarterback. Don't worry about the, the short term. So get the quarterback and you go for the focus on the next 10 years. But I'm just saying, if you're Ron Rivera at, the, at some point, you actually have to start winning games. Look, they could have a winning season this year, but in this hypothetical, you know, then that that, that that's why I think this is an interesting debate. We're going to probably get into more if they don't turn this thing around is what, where does he go? Because, because I think that's going to be part of the, the question.
2: Well, this is to the point we were discussing earlier. He, he never had a chance. He should, he should have his rookie quarterback. It should have been Dwayne Haskins. So he, he, he's fucked since I'm allowed to curse on this thing. The, 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 the move at quarterback is to have another, you know, seasoned veteran resign Fitz magic, uh, for, for next season and draft your rookie, go get your rookie, and groom that rookie and let him learn the system. I mean, we you know, we've seen across the NFL with all of the rookies playing this season how hard that transition is. It's five or six games. We're five or six games in, and none of the rookies have really, you know, demonstrated a Justin Herbert level of of impact on their team. I mean, the the, the Patriots have only one. Two games and Matt Jones is pretty effing good, and he really does fit their system. But the NFL is hard, and so you you if you're going to play the rookie, then you're going to sacrifice your season. And the challenge for Washington is, and you you hit the nail on the head with Rivera. He's not he he didn't arrive here to start sacrificing seasons. So you know they they have a defense that can be competent. I think over the course of the season we're going to see improvement in that defense. They do have personnel yet that i think you know can be uh successful william jackson i'm you know i'm a glass half full kind of guy I'm a, I'm a wft truther i think he's going to turn it around i love the concept that you're describing with the 5d backs fuller and the slot i mean the, you know there are things that can be done to to get this defense back to the kind of swagger that they had at the end of last season if you have a defense with the personnel that they have then you can't be wasting seasons Trying to trying to uh, bring in a rookie quarterback and on the offensive side of the ball go three and out every time you need to to be competitive and so that's a that's a seasoned vet somebody like Fitzmagic maybe it'll be Kyle Allen I don't know plus a rookie in this upcoming draft it's imperative to get that rookie quarterback correct because look I mean it, it it's costing us three seasons the Dwayne Haskins mistake is costing the football team three seasons. I'm not, I, we just can't make the mistake again. Um, it, it, it just costs too much.
1: Yeah. And I know like earlier in the year when they, especially when they played Justin Herbert in week one and people are going, Oh, how come they didn't draft him? And I, I, I don't even remotely engage in that. That's the, there was not a discussion. You had the, the, no. the young quarterback and chase young sitting there, but because the owner insisted on Dwayne Haskins, it took even debating Justin Herbert or probably more realistically to, I would guess, but I, you know, I don't know what they thought exactly. And that's just, you know, it's going to p- add that to the list of, of the ramifications when you have an owner who sticks his nose in football uh, business. Um, all right. La- last football, we talked about the defense. Obviously when we talk about the defensive line, we typically talk about chase young, but there's other, there's other guys there. And one of the points I've made repeatedly is it's not realistic that all four of these starters are going to get extensions. And if we want to tack on Matt Ioannidis, who's played pretty well, you know, it's not realistic that all five, are going to get extensions um so the question becomes well who's out right now Chase Young expendable. is expendable right Chase Young is so far down the line we, it's almost not even worth mentioning plus you know with, with his potential and all that you know you can't see him going anywhere John Allen did just sign an extension now it's not like for 20 years or anything so you know whatever but he's under the books right now they may starting as soon as this offseason have to actually make a determination because for me part of this broader issue is like I know it wasn't Rivera but per se, but they let Kirk Cousins go, got a third-round pick. They basically, Rivera did this, but he was forced. They basically they let Trent Williams go and more or less just got a third-round pick. When you have assets, you actually have to turn them into something. The Wizards had the same problem. that they, they have pieces, and then to let them go for peanuts. You actually have to do something, so you have to be proactive. The, the, the proactive question here is basically this. Deron Payne would be up for an extension next year. Montez Sweat is down the line. I make you choose. Would you rather extend Deron Payne, or extend Montez Sweat, knowing that you're trading the other one. So, w- would you rather pain or or sweat, knowing you're trading the other one because you can't realistically extend all all four of those guys?
2: The, the I wish I, the the problem is we don't have a crystal ball for um for health, and pain needs to be on the football field. He has the higher upside in in my you know uninformed fan opinion. But um, Sweat is on the football field and Deron Payne so far, you know, it's not his fault with, with the injuries. So Payne, so Payne feels Payne's like
1: been, Payne's been playing
2: this season, but I'm saying, you know, t- since we drafted him, right. Yeah, he's, been, he's been pretty good. Who, who, who Who's who's the uh, is. Oh, Alan. Alan's the one with the injury. He had uh, some
1: early, early on. Yeah. Payne, Payne's already the guy. I would think with Payne, it's like, he just like, he's been good. He, he plays his role of that sort of, you know, he's basically the guard of the defensive line. So it doesn't get nearly the, 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 the attention, but there's some people who think at least going into the year that he was maybe their best defensive lineman, um, you know, right now, I mean, some people will say it's John Allen right now and, and that's fine. Um, I, I'll just, uh, I'll say this. I would have, I really thought Montez was going to have a breakout year and maybe it still happens, but we were, we're six games in and it's been kind of a muted story for him so far and you know, when Ron Rivera talks about things like maturity and discipline, like if, you know, everybody kind of wants to know what does he mean? I, I I, I interpret it. This is my interpretation that he's largely, if I had to put it on one person, he's talking about chase young, that like, he needs to see, you know, look, and he's a young player and young person. He needs to see a a more disciplined version of him when it comes to his craft. Right. Well, he and Montez sweat are pretty tight. And I do partly kind of wonder, is it sort of a combination? Because, what happened the other day right third and 10 for the chiefs the back-to-back one was that yeah. one was more egregious the montez sweat neutral zone infraction versus the chase young offsides yes. but it was back-to-back plays and when rivera uh yesterday talked about sort of what are the things that he could do differently he said that, like he may need to change his own approach to get things to not happen like offsides penalties and that stuck in his craw obviously and i wonder part of me thinks does is there a is there is there advantageous to potentially break that tandem up as a human being couple? I'm not yeah. saying that it couldn't be really good charger, but like, I don't know. Again, it's early. I, I, I don't know for sure. I'm not saying anybody's a bad guy, but early results, I, what the coach keeps saying seems to focus on these guys more than some of the other guys and payne has been effective. He, I mean, he's, you know, he's been pretty good. So I don't know. My only reason for keeping sweat would be you also have ionitis and settle. There's you have depth, whereas at end there is nobody else. But I don't know. I think somebody in my head, somebody still has to go. And I think that I think those two guys is, is the question.
2: Oh, It's interesting. So in addition by subtraction kind of move with sweat because of a cultural kind of challenge that the team is, is going to solve. I mean, part of the thing that I have to constantly remind myself of there are 11 games still left to be played. I you mean, think you have to
1: remind yourself of that. Tell me about it. <laughs> where it's
2: like we're, we're a third of the way through the season, essentially. Um, so they're like there's a whole, there are chapters of this book yet yet to be written. Um, and that's the opportunity for, for sweat and chase together to show us the maturity that uh, coach Rivera is talking about and it's incumbent on the coaching staff to instill this, this um, you know, what, what their expectations are and for us to see it. I mean, there's no doubt that um, chase young read some of his press clippings in the off season and arrived this season, believing quite a bit of what, what he read. Um, And he has been out of discipline uh, a handful of times early in the season in a manner, that doesn't befit the rookie defensive player of the year. There's no um, arguing
1: it. One, one, one last thing. We'll do this quick and then we'll move on to the wizards. Would you rather give the nine and a half points this week at green Bay or take the nine and a half points? Meaning Washington is getting nine and a half.
2: I am laying the points until it, it, well, let me, uh, let me, um, slight caveat has, coach rivera announced who's starting at quarterback this week
1: he said it's still heineke i specifically asked yesterday was he even considering kyle allen he said no then it's then it's 10 points for
2: green bay i'm i'm fine with laying the points
1: for all the talk Like go oh, they're close to this they lost the last three the, they lost to buffalo the saints and the chiefs by at least 11. The, they're not the average margin is 17 so they're, right they're I not mean, close my best bet
2: each week of the past two weeks on the Ringer NFL Gambling Show on Fridays has been against the Washington Football Team. The Saints were favored by two. I absolutely love that. And uh, the Chiefs were laying less than a touchdown for most of the week. The the minus one ten. If you paid the juice, was six and a half. Are you kidding me? The Chiefs laying less than a touchdown against the Washington Football Team. Come on. Neither one of those were close.
1: Um, all right, let's pivot to uh, your wizards. You got a wizard's hat on. There's the there's the Joe House Daniel Gaffer jersey behind you. I got one. Would you rather? And then we'll go open court here and and let you uh, give give you the ball at top of the key and let you go nuts. Bradley Beal. Now, okay. Obviously, we spent an inordinate amount of time last year discussing is he going to get traded, what's going to happen. I think there'll be some of that this year, depending, especially from the outside world, just because something to do. Um, And we'll see. I mean, at the moment though, you know, he seems like he's still a happy camper. Um, The, you know, I don't think he's going to sign this four-year extension. So that's going to loom. He's going to wait for the bigger prizes once he hits the off season. But over the last couple of years, every time this, the idea of trading him came up, my stance was, you know what? As long as John Wall or Russell Westbrook are here, you can't actually rebuild. And those guys would be lousy to leave in the locker room as the lone adult in a room with a bunch of kids. I'm going to keep Bradley Beal because I know what he is it's not, you know, he's not LeBron or Durant, but he's a top 15 player or so in the league. He's uh this is not, has nothing to do with his vaccine stance, but he's a mature guy. He's a, he's a, he's a leader on the basketball court in those ways. I want him there, especially if I have to have this other thing, that's not going to let me go all the way down. But once they traded Westbrook and got back some young players, but also like movable assets. And the only sort of thing you're stuck with now is the Bertans contract, which some team may ultimately take that off their hands. Cause the guy can shoot i'm like okay well now here's the window now may be the moment let's be realistic we are the wizard what's the upside the six seed that i mean if we're talking the goal is to win the title which i always say i don't think it is for this owner if it happens great but that's not really the goal the goal is to get in the playoffs and get that revenue uh then they're not going to trade bradley Beal. but this was the window to do it the second you did that and we're obviously teams that would given you a bunch of stuff we don't have to get into the stuff so would you rather have had the wizard's trade Bradley Beal to get whatever that stuff might've been and do the true. Okay. We're starting over with the young pieces we have plus these new pieces or do what they did, keep him, add some pieces around him and say, all right, let's see what we can do here.
2: Um, Help me understand when w- would I have rather that they did the like trade before this the season or at the end of last season?
1: Like when? Like basically at the moment they traded Westbrook, right? That was before the draft, right? So yeah.
2: in that moment, I, I absolutely positively believe in keeping Beale because his his most and, 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 and highest value will come over the course of this upcoming season. And so he needs to play and teams need to see him and teams need to have their um, own situations twist and turn in a manner that elevates the value of Beale. I think it Beale's more likely to fetch, Better assets as the season begins, and this, and I think about this the same way as as Ben Simmons. Honestly, the season needs to begin, and teams need to start experiencing. You know, they need to be dissatisfied with their their first month, their first sixty days, their first twenty five games. They need to experience the injuries that are are you know um, inevitably going to. Uh, befall teams, you know the unexpected injuries to to important pieces of teams, and and you need a little bit of desperation to get the best value. So, in view of where the franchise sat on the day that they, uh, you know, did the, the the massive Spencer Dinwiddie, Russell Westbrook, fifteen-player moving parts deal, absolutely, you gotta you gotta run it out with 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 Bradley Beal.
1: Yeah, Interesting. So you like the desperation angle versus at that point, the season, there may only be two or three teams that need to make the move. Whereas at this point, there might be 15 teams willing to say, you know what, maybe we do do make a deal for Bill. That's why I was like doing it in the offseason because there's more buyers, but you're right. The desperation may not necessarily be there because you're like, well, we're, we don't even know what's going to happen or we haven't started or we can go, if we don't get Bill, we can go get somebody else.
2: In the offseason, every team believes their own bullshit. Right. They're all everybody talks themselves into this is our competitive team. This is the direction that we're headed in. I mean, of the let's say 20 teams that genu- have genuine playoff a- a- ambition and aspiration. Um, everybody's talks themselves into their own narrative. But, you know, reality will intervene once the season starts. And, and that's when I think, you know, Beal will have more value.
1: All right, so before we started, you uh, told me you have some thoughts on this team. They, they they did keep Bradley Beal. It's a really weird wizard team because they actually have depth. They don't have, other than Beal, they don't necessarily have the top end talent, but they've got a lot of guys that can play for a lot of teams, which is really weird to see how this is all going to shake out. But I have no idea. What, I literally have no idea what you, what your view of this team is and you got thoughts. So uh, let, let, let it rip. What, what do you got? It's
2: it's the beginning of the season. So I have irrational exuberance, <laughs> irrational enthusiasm. I think this is legitimately the best wizards team that Bradley Beal will have played on since the 2016, 17 playoff team that won 49 games. And I honestly think that this team has talent wise more talent than that team. Now that team had John Wall playing you know possibly his 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 very one of his three best seasons in his entire career. So I don't think that the there is anybody else on the Wizards who's going to have that kind of ceiling. But they have 10 with eight and a half legitimate NBA players you know the, the the funny thing i came on your pod in, in in you know last winter and when i've gone on with simmons the the resounding failure of the wizards in previous iterations is not enough nba players right so they had Westbrook who was hurt for the first two months of the season last year in one of the craziest you know with the the combination of of COVID and injuries and the weird schedule and different teams having different COVID problems the Wizards were shut down for three weeks like the, the weirdest NBA season ever but at at the guts of it they had three and a half NBA players three and a half genuine you know if you Because I only give Rui a half. Rui is not a full NBA player. There were
1: were games late last year, even with Westbrook there, where they were playing Westbrook, Beal, and Neto together, in part because, like, Neto was as good as anything else they have, and no disrespect to him. He shouldn't be – that's not a three-guard lineup you should be using. He's
2: half an NBA player. I mean, you know, and I I love Neto. I'm not – that's not a knock on Neto. He's just not, you know, a starter in the NBA. Um, But this team – and I really, really – in the preseason because um, it, it, it was a very good indication of the depth that they enjoy of Wes Unsell Jr. thinking kind of outside the box with some rotations. And the combinations really feel potent. Like Contavious Caldwell-Pope is a competent basketball player. Kyle Kuzma is a competent basketball player Montrez harrell not you set aside whatever opinion you have about his effectiveness in the playoffs he's a competent basketball player he knows where to go on the basketball court and he still has enough of the athleticism to be uh, impactful and his hustle is is undeniable this is Daniel a, gafford
1: this is a pro Montrez harrell podcast i've liked him ever since high school i'm all <laughs> that guy just plays with energy right the playoffs yeah. we'll see but like in terms of like 82 games i like that guy on my team
2: Absolutely. Positively. And, and, you know, they, the Aaron holiday knows how to play. Like he, it's going to be interesting for him to get run. This is a team that genuinely, if they buy in can play defense, we might see defense in Washington for the first time. It's why it's Daniel Gafford was such a revelation last year. We saw a shot blocker for the first time in what felt like, you know, a, a lifetime here in Washington and they just re-signed Gafford. So that shot blocking, Prowess as a last resort at the rim, but I think we're going to be able to put pressure out on the perimeter. Like I Aaron Holiday can play perimeter defense. Uh, you know, Bradley Beal might be motivated to play some defense. Kuzma is not, you know, doesn't just stand there. He's not a potted plant. I just think across the board there is competent NBA talent. And I think I I didn't I haven't had a chance to sit down and do this, but I I I bet it's the case. I'm a gambling guy. That if you add it up, the entirety of the, the 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 playoff experience that this team, as assembled right now, this roster, I bet they have more playoff experience than any team that Bradley Beal has played on in his entire NBA career.
1: I'd be willing to put that to the test. Uh, well, I mean, you've got the guys that played with the Lakers. Exactly. So there's, there's <laughs> that's right. Right. So that's, that's a lot. It. <laughs> right. So there's at least that. Um, yeah. I mean, you still have a lot of, a lot of young guys. I, I think it's going to be interesting, right? Cause obviously it's a new coach. He's got to establish what what he wants to do. Right. Is he you know, what's my system? How do I want things to go? But then you have other variables like, okay, look, Berton was a mess last year for, for he shows up out of shape because of COVID stuff. He can't play a lick of defense. It's really hard to play him in the playoffs, but we know he can shoot the lights out and you're giving him a lot of money. So you kind of need to play him in theory, at least, at least to get him going or see what, see what, what he's got. But then you've got these three young players. Now, Rui Hachimura, once he gets back in the flow, he'll be out there on the court a fair amount. But what do you do with Denny Avdia and Corey Kispert? I think they like Kispert. I, look, as a bar mitzvah boy, I'm all invested in Denny Avdia. But he needs the ball. Last year was a bad fit with Westbrook. He's out there playing off the ball. Then he, he needs the ball in his hands. He's that type of like a, not a point forward, but he's that kind of thinking player. But how do you get him on the court when you have Hachimura and Kuzma? And KCP and Harrell and Bertans you can't play uh all, all these guys and like we mentioned Neto like to me I would probably keep Neto out of the rotation initially because I know what he is but if I'm t- if the goal if I'm trying to win these games right off the bat he's probably in my top 10 on some level to be honest especially if KCP is really a three if that's how they're kind of using him then you need the fourth guard. So I think how the rotation plays out is going to be fascinating. I'm not even worried about when Thomas Bryant comes back, because I'm kind of in my head kind of writing him off, to be honest. It's, well, it's, but you it, know, especially it's with funny, Gaffer. you know,
2: you, you um, reported the news uh, last night, chimed in with the Gafford extension. That extension to me makes Thomas Bryant expendable. And I would love to see somebody, um, you know, a deal out there a combo of thomas bryant and bertans where where a team's willing to go ahead and, and you know take a swing at, at what bryant brings to the table offensively and the you know the, the premium they have to pay to get thomas bryant is bertans now i don't know who that team is that's that's out there because bertans is grossly o- overpaid for what he's going to bring to the table but maybe there's a team out there that needs 14 minutes out of bertans that can tolerate him on a second unit and he come and bertans you know every third game will make five threes in a row and that's impactful on, on a second unit. That's not depending on him. So uh, fingers crossed that that there's a deal like that out there, but to your point, like, you know, I, I, it is a great problem for the wizards to have, like, how do you get time for these? Now I want Denny to have all of Rui's time to start the season because I feel like we were cheated out of Denny development last season, the combination of Scott Brooks rotations Westbrooks just you know he he just cast such a a, a giant shadow uh and, and a, there isn't a lot of room for for a rookie to touch the ball when when westbrooks on the team plus his his ankle injury i I know that Rui had whatever personal issues he had during training camp he's not ready to come in i don't think and, and immediately play i want Denny to have all those minutes. The reminder is Denny used to play with men. Denny played grown man basketball as a teenager all the way up until last season. He couldn't get off the bench for a whole variety of reasons last season. Let Denny play. Let Denny cook. I want to see him play this
1: year. Um, I'm going to ask you for your wizard season prediction because you guys do uh, w- uh, Wizards or NBA over-unders. Um, uh, uh, you did that with, with uh, Simmons and Rosilla. But before that, so the, the Daniel Gafford extension just kicked in or just was announced last night. Three years, I think forty and a half million. The interesting thing is it doesn't start until the 2023 season. Meaning these next two years, he's still on a rookie deal for basically no money. Then it kicks in. So they have him under contract through 25, 26. And what's interesting? Look, I don't know. I don't think any of us know for sure what Daniel Gafford's ceiling is, but it is higher than it is now. Um, he obviously showed he can run the court. He can defend the rim. He's got to have to eventually show can he can he make a move or two offensively that's not just a, a lob pass or a putback. But and he's got to stay out of foul trouble. That was an issue last year. I think he kind of admitted he was out of shape. Um, but it's interesting. And what, what what's interesting to me about this is part of the issue I had with the Grunfeld regime, which Tommy Shepard was part of, but clearly he wasn't running it, is that the the lack of vision that they weren't making a lot of moves that were forward thinking. Was all oh, we have to react to this minute. That's why Trevor Ariza and Jeff Green kept getting they, they kept getting guys like that. Uh, you know, like immediate fixes, but that's, despite long term ramifications. So, so this this GM who made this massive trade that you just mentioned before for, involving Westbrook, where they get all these pieces back to give you this depth on good contracts you can move. He makes the trade last year, Troy Brown for Gafford, a first-round pick for a guy that was picked in the second round, who now you like enough, I think, justifiably to give a big deal. And now he's been doing this really interesting contract where he's basically saying, we think this guy is going to improve. And by the time he does, he may be more expensive. So instead of doing like we didn't do with Otto Porter, where we we didn't buy in that Otto Porter would improve, he did. We got screwed by having to pay market price. We're going to say, we'll give you money now because we're banking on you to be good, but we're not going to, you know, and you have to decide, you want to roll the dice that you're going to turn into something better. That's up to you. I I don't know if it's going to work out. I like the vision, and I'm going to give Tommy Shepard a thumbs-up for that. Hopefully the move works out, but I like the vision.
2: That makes two of us, and I have to say I need to be – I probably could have been a bit more generous with Tommy Shepard over the course of last season. I was frustrated that Westbrook was injured, and I was frustrated that it felt like, at least for the fan base, we didn't know that Westbrook was going to arrive injured and be so diminished – through the first, you know, really the first half of, of last year's crazy season. And it the the Bertons thing is a was a swing and a miss. And I was disappointed about that. But look, on this day, one year ago, John Wall was the starting point guard for this Washington Wizards basketball team. Now think about everything that's happened from October the 19th of 2020 to October the 19th of 2021 with this. The personnel on this team and the direction of this franchise, I give Shepard credit. I give him a ton of credit. If you you told me that we'd be able to turn John Wall into all of these assets and surround Bradley Beal with a whole bunch of NBA players, man, it's an A. I give him an A, and that's part of my irrational exuberance. They haven't played a game yet. Um, You asked for my uh, forecast for the team. I love this team at 40 or 41 games way over their win total. Nobody's going to hear this. I don't, I don't think before, uh, the, oh, you know what they don't, they don't play till tomorrow. So you might be able to hear this and still bet on the wizards win total. It's three, 33 and a half or 34 and a half, depending on the book that you, uh, you know, might, might partake in. You got to go get on, on this Wiz team, barring injury, right? And that's true for every single team in the league, barring injury, They are competing for a play-in spot in in the playoffs, a seven seed, an eight seed. It's definitely in the realm of a possible, and I love them right around 500 all season
1: long. Uh, Tell everybody where they can find you if you would like to, social media or uh, on the ringer or at a restaurant in town. (laughs) Well,
2: I'm still working my way up to the, I'm reconnecting with the city's food scene because, you know, so much has happened in the last 18 months, Um, but I, I, uh, well, I, I won't. I won't go through. There's a bunch of the classics that I'm revisiting. I'm going back to places like Razzica, and uh, um, uh, oh, what am I thinking? A bourbon steak. You know, the, the just the the DC uh classics but um you i I am on every friday the ringer gambling show with warren sharp of warren sharp analytics we're still doing a little golf on 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 fairway rolling and then i'm jumping in with simmons as i will be doing on the bs podcast throughout the basketball season for bad takes uh about the wizards
1: all right well anytime you want to drop bad takes on the wizards or the football team you just put out the put out the uh, smoke signal We'll have you back on. I got to let you go, Joe House. I appreciate the time. Thanks, man.
2: Always, Ben Standing. You call, I answer. I appreciate it, buddy.
1: All right. Many thanks to Joe House for his time. And, of course, thanks to everybody here for checking out the podcast. Um, I don't know if I'll have another one this week. Probably not at this point. But we will, of course, have one after Green Bay. I will be in Green Bay. I'll I'll be in Denver as well. So um, I don't know how my schedule is going to work. When I'm on the road, it's always a little bit trickier, but we'll try to figure something out for sure. All right, but that's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya.